don't tiptoe around a, a, a topic so important as payments when everybody knows that at the end of the day, you've got to pay for something. It, you know, it, it should be stated general contractors are supposed to make money. It, the C in general contractor does not stand for charity. You know, these guys are in business to make money. With the cousins. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Home with the Cousins. We are running back through the project planning series. If you've listened to this before, it is definitely worth another listen. There is an absolute ton of information in these seven episodes. I would also encourage you to share this with a friend. Think about somebody who's got an upcoming renovation, wants to do a home remodel, and really isn't prepared to do so, share this episode, share this series with those people. We really want to share knowledge here. After these seven episodes, we will be back with all fresh content. Without further ado, jump into it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Home with the Cousins. Today, we are talking about payment schedules. Everyone loves that. Isn't, isn't that the, one of those things? It's like once money starts to be in the forefront of the project. Well, this, is where, it like, can get, this oh, is where it can get really hairy, right? It's, it's a little nervous. It's, uh, it's time to part with your money, and, uh, and we want to make sure you're doing that responsibly so that you don't run into the, the age-old, uh, yeah, I wrote him a check for the whole project, and he never came back. So we've, we've heard that a couple times. We have heard that many, many a times. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, we actually uh, just got back not too long ago from a from a home show in Florida, and uh, it seems down there they've they've got this problem uh, more more than most other states. Uh, so it's 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 sa- it's very sad to hear. Yeah. So, um, first and foremost, never ever ever pay for your project up front that needs that needs to be said explicitly with an asterisk and and, an exclamation point you never hand somebody a full check and just expect that the work gets done you need you need to space these payments out not even on a small project because i i think a lot of people would say oh well on a smaller project i just paid for it up front guys i don't care if you have a guy come in and you're paying him 500 dollars just to paint a room for you or do some 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 handyman work if you're not holding that person accountable and you're inspecting their work at the end there's no way they're going to do the job the way you want it so you know i i think i think you're definitely thinking oh of course not i i know that but believe me a lot of people for some reason even on those small small projects where maybe it's a thousand dollars two thousand dollars they say oh yeah i'll just give the guy the money Please don't do that. And it's, you know, don't, we don't want anybody to feel pressured. You know, sometimes you can be made to feel pressured. Like, listen, I'm not going to do this job if you don't pay me up front. Yep. Your best course of action is to let the guy walk. Um, if they're pushing that hard for the money up front, something, something isn't right. Uh, any contractors, subcontractors that we've worked with over the years understand that there's a payment schedule to it all. And you don't get paid everything up front. It's, it's plain and simple. Um, you know, a smaller project, painting a room, um, re- even retiling a bathroom, a 50-50 payment schedule is fine. You know, you, you, pay, you give them 50% up front, they get the materials, they're there for two or three days, 50% on the back end. The idea is you don't want to be paying somebody money that's going to be in their, in their profit spread. You want to make sure that the money you're giving them is enough for them to buy the materials 
encourages them then to come back and do the work so that you can give them the money that's going to be their profit by the end of the job. Yeah, and you know, it's it, it, it's a very it's a very hard thing to have that balancing act because we've been on both sides. We as the general contractor and of course doing our our own projects when you're paying people, you don't want to feel like anyone's getting ahead of you where where you're where the, the general contractor's ahead of you or as the homeowner you're ahead of the general contractor because then it, you know some an, some animosity kind of starts in and kicks in and says, oh well hey a sec you know I bought all these materials and now you know I don't have enough money to, to pay my guys you know it becomes a, a, a balancing act absolutely and, and like you said I think at the beginning, it's got to be laid out in the contract. And if it's laid out in the contract and everyone agrees to those terms, then it's not the argument when you're two months into the project saying, oh, I don't have enough money to do this. I don't have enough money to do that. Well, Mr. Contractor, then you should have stipulated at the beginning how you wanted the payment terms to make the job flow for you. Absolutely. And, and you know, going back a couple episodes, we talked about um, we talked about budgeting for your project and we talked about communicating with your general contractor. The payment schedule is most certainly an addendum, and we mentioned this at that time, but we'll mention it again. Uh, the, the payment schedule is an addendum that goes on the back of the contract, and both parties sign it without a doubt. You need to have an, a clear, concise understanding as to how the payments are going to work. And John, to your point, you know, guys, the knife cuts both ways. You don't want to feel like you're getting screwed. You don't want somebody running out with your money. Well, we can tell you for a fact, <laughs> we've gotten screwed. We've gotten screwed by homeowners yep. who, where, you know, we're doing work in good faith and then, and, and and then we don't get paid at the end of the And a restaurant. <laughs> we don't forget the restaurant that also didn't pay us. There's, you know, there, there's, there's, listen, that's the reason we're doing this, right? We're sharing experiences and we're, and we're trying to, we're trying to save people the heartache and the headache, uh, the time and, and the money. So, you know, so, so this is a good segue into, into how do you go about it? Well, there's no hard and fast rule. Um, the only, the only rule is to write it down. The only rule is to make sure it's signed and to make sure it's a defined process. Other than that, it's up to you and the contractor to agree on it. So feel free to get creative. Um, you know, feel free to, to, to take some time and think about how you really want to structure these payments, how long the job is, how expensive it is, what's the best way to go about it. Um, and that being said, this is one of the suggestions that we make for larger jobs. Keep in mind, I will preface by saying it's going to be more work on your end. The planning stuff is what we're talking about here. Crossing T's, dotting I's, paying attention to details. But that these are all the things that make your job run smoother, faster, and cheaper. So if you're willing to put the time in, all of those benefits will come to you because of it. So here's the deal. Basically what we do is we'll, depending on the size of the project and depending on how much time you have to dedicate to, to doing job walkthroughs and, and, um, and cutting different checks to your, to your contractor, you can set up weekly payments or you can set up every other week payments, so, tw so twice a month, bi-monthly payments, okay? And what that does is it allows you to walk the job with your contractor either every week or every other week, and, and you have a scope of work for, for that time period. And you can say, okay, you got everything accomplished that we talked about you were going to get accomplished. We give you the check on that Friday. 
you're happy, you show up Monday and you keep working. You didn't get all the work done that we discussed. Well, I'm going to give you a partial payment or you didn't get any work done because you weren't here. I'm not going to give you any payment. When you get the work done, you'll get paid. Conversely, the contractor can say, I got all the work done. Where's my check? And if you don't give him the check, well, he's not going to come back on Monday until he gets that check. And what happens there is very simply, you don't get too far ahead in paying someone and the contractor doesn't get too far ahead in doing work that they're not paid for. So basically, you're both keeping each other honest. Yeah. And, you know, again, how he said it goes both ways. I, I think the reason why a lot of contractors leave jobs and they don't come back is because they know they're not going to get a payment, right? They say, well, hey, I'm ahead of this job. I got a large deposit. I know that I'm not going to get my payment soon enough. So that's why they'll leave. If you don't give a large deposit, and normally we say, depending on the size job, I would say for a contractor to get started, 20% is pretty normal. That's enough for him to get his materials, get started on the project, and get going. And then after that 20%, like Anthony said, that's when you can kick in weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, totally up to you. It's all about cash flow. That's really what it comes down to. And I think a good rule of thumb is the larger the project, the smaller the initial deposit because you can't buy, you know, if it's a a $500,000 contract, 20% of that is is a shit ton of money. You can't buy enough materials. Like you don't, you can't, you can't do enough work for that much material. Well, the only materials that you're really buying at that point, you're doing demo and then you're going to start some framing. So that's, that's all, that's all you're going to be doing. And I think as the homeowner guys, you should know what those materials are. This shouldn't be just, okay, well, I'm writing a 15%, 20% check. Well, what is it going to? Let the contractor tell you. Like, hey, look, this is, these are my startup costs. Right. This, these are the materials that are going to kick the job off. And, and and it's up to you. This this is what a lot of a lot of homeowners have suggested that that we do and and we we've, we've done for people. Sometimes they just want to pay direct for those materials. They they bring the they bring the plans over to whatever uh, supply house that is supplying the, those those materials. The general contractor says this is everything I need, and they pay direct. So the GC doesn't have to have that money come out of his pocket. He might just say, Hey, look, I need some some money just to get things going to pay my guys to get them there for for the first couple of weeks. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone needs those startup costs. So if you feel, you know what, I have no problem paying for, for the materials. I want to see what the materials are actually costing. Then you guys can can do that, and you can make that. And like Anthony said before, put that in your contract. Talk about that ahead of time. If you want to pay for all the materials, you want to talk to the GC and you want to use his discount then that's, that's what you do, but put it in the contract so it's in writing. Absolutely. And, and you know, just keep in mind, it's another layer, right? You're adding more complexity uh, to, to yourself as the homeowner, but John's 100% right. I mean, I know that, you know, with my design clients, I just allow them to use my discount. Um, I send an email to, to, um, to the supplier or I, I place an order online for them using their credit card. But, uh you know, it's, it's a very common thing. I don't, I don't have a need to, to use my credit or to, or to, to be out the money, um, on a client's behalf. And they're always willing to pay direct for their materials because they know they get to see the discount they're getting. 
it's it's a very transparent um, transaction. So you know, it 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 makes things sometimes a lot easier. It, it depends on how organized you are. Uh, that's a, that was the question I was just going to ask you. Yeah. I mean, dealing. I mean, we've dealt with a lot of different clients, right? right. You have clients that want to be very involved, and you have some clients that say. I don't really want to be involved. Right. I, I, I have a very busy life. I'm doing things. I just want you to get the materials. It costs whatever it costs, right? So it comes down, I think, to the person in general. If the person says, I will be in that involved. I want to save the extra couple dollars. Right. That's why I'll, I'll pay up. I'll pay for the materials. Show it to me. You know what, guys? As we've said through all of our talk, talks so far, how involved do you want to be? If you are like, I want to be very hands-on, I want to make sure that I'm driving the ship, well then, hey, you can see the material lists, you can get involved. If you don't, well then the contractor's going to do it and you're going to pay a little more for that. That's the whole point here. How involved do you want to be? Yeah, it's, it's striking the, you know, the life-work balance in, in keeping in mind that your work is not general contracting, is not home renovation, but you want to be diligent because it is your home and, and you don't want to get taken advantage of. You know, it it should be stated general contractors are supposed to make money. General contractor does not, (laughs) the C in general contractor does not stand for charity. You know, these guys are in business to make money. Um, And, you know, it's it's a level of trust. And, And I think that, and I think that it should be said, obviously, the longer you work with someone, the more you build a trusting relationship, you know, the more the payment terms can change so long as you feel comfortable. What do you think? is uh, i would say is the profit margin a general contractor if if they're going through the job and of course he's breaking out all his numbers we've talked about a detailed line item where do you feel that a general contractor should be the ballpark i I think anywhere 20 to 30 percent um you know and that and that's largely depending on how involved the homeowner is um i think I think that if you know if the if the contractor is really good and they're handling everything soup to nuts top to bottom, thirty percent is is well, not well out it. of the question at all, yeah. and well worth it to the homeowner to know that they don't have to be bothered by anything. If the homeowner is going to be super involved, and by super involved I mean doing the job well too, yeah. because they, you know you've got to have your materials there on time, you've got to make sure everything's in place, so the contractor can can be making progress. 20, you know, 20% is, is definitely fair. And I, and I want to just say the, I think the, the caveat to all of this, because mm-hmm. we've dealt with it, mm-hmm. a homeowner that does want to be very involved, but they're so involved, they slow down the project. So I, again, how we talked about the balancing act saying how, how involved should you be? You guys have to realize, you know, you are hiring a general contractor as the professional. As the professional, he is the one that is really going to make these decisions to keep the project moving along. So when it so when it comes down to the price, and you're saying, "Well, I know, you know, I need to pay him 20 percent, twenty five percent," just know you want him to work for that money. Also, don't try to bog him down, and don't try to get in his way that he can't make those strides to actually get the project done. Because I think that's kind of caveat of, all, of this whole entire talk is be involved but don't be too involved where it starts to blow things up yeah that's a good point i mean you you know you want to you want to be aiding the contractor you don't want to be hindering yeah um, that's it so um in the show notes on this episode we're definitely going to link a spreadsheet um that is going to lay out two or three different payment um scenarios 
Um, the idea here is you can put in the lump sum payment of your job at the top, and then each column will show you what a weekly or bi-monthly or monthly payment would look like. And just, just to lay out a couple of different structures um, so you could see it. And then we'll also have an addendum sheet um, so you could see what that would look like um, as a document that would be uh, attached to the end of a contract. Um, I think it's, it's very helpful to see these things visually because there are a lot of different documents that go along with this. Um, but when you, when you put the package together as a whole, it's not a ton of paper. It's not a ton of pages. It's just that they have to be done correctly and you really don't want to miss anything. Um, so th those two items will be super, super beneficial. Well, and I think the visual part of it, when you see, let's say it's 10 payments or 12 payments, no matter what, what it is, and you break it out over the job, right. and you say, okay, well, those those 10 payments are going to be for two months of work. It holds him accountable because he wants to get it done in two months because he wants to get all of his money as fast as possible right. as well, right? It so, goes back to the more detail, the, yep. left is, the less is left to the unknown. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I think you guys also, let's, let's also remember when doing these projects, we have our permits. We've talked about permits. We talked about the process. You want to have in there, all right, you're not getting XYZ payment if you don't pass rough inspection, especially on the final inspection also. You always want to hold 10% before you pass that final inspection. You know everything was done right, and you're not going to run into any issues where maybe the work wasn't done. Are you reading my mind? You, you knew I was going there, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, because, I th because I think a lot of people do get ahead of themselves, and before you know it, you paid everything, right. but there's still always there's always like 10% of the job that isn't finished. We're, it, it's coming up in a few episodes, but it's going to be the final walkthrough slash punch list yep. episode. Um, and that is... That is what it sounds like. It's it's walking through the job, looking at you know your last little tidbits that need to get cleaned up and finalized before the job is done. Um, to John's point, you want to be hold. Depending on the size of the job, there is a percentage you want to hold back. Um, matter of fact, we'll make sure that's in that's in the spreadsheet as well, so you could see what a ten percent, a fifteen percent, or a twenty percent um, punch list hold uh, would look like. But you want to hold that because without the, that remaining money, there's really no incentive for that person to come back and get everything done. And I don't want to dive too much into punch list because it is, it it is an episode in, unto itself. Very deep. Um, but as a homeowner, it's your responsibility also not to be so arduous to the general contractor that you know, you've got them coming back week after week because you keep finding things. It's your responsibility to walk the job, walk it with a detailed eye, and we'll get into that stuff. But suffice it to say that in terms of payment schedules, what we're talking about here today, you want to make sure that you have, on average, a 10% hold for that final, final payment. So... So what we're saying is, so you know, going through all this over again. Let's say you are somewhere around the the twenty percent as your deposit. You have seventy percent as your actual payments, and then you have your your ten percent at the end. Correct. I think that is kind of a good rule of thumb. I'm not going to say every project because we know all projects yeah. size and scope are different, but I think as a general rule, that's it's a gonna, great. It's a great framework. That's a good framework. Yep. And again, 
That's when you talk to your general con. And guys, look, I know we, we talk about this a lot. We say it, we, we go over it, but it's the conversation. You have to make sure that your general contractor is okay with this. When we are with our clients, we go through this, we make sure they understand this is how we want to do it. Look, we're the ones that started the weekly payments. We're the right. ones that suggested to our clients that's how we, we, we want it done because it helped us out. It made things more accountable. It just was a lot easier. So, and, and I think, too, it's worth noting, don't forget, like you guys know that you're paying for something, and these guys know they're supposed to be getting money for something. Yep. So don't, don't tiptoe around... Uh, don't tiptoe around a, a topic so important as payments when everybody knows that at the end of the day, you've got to pay for something. So, you know, the, 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 the 20-70-10 rule, I think, is, is a, like is a really... 20-70-10. There yeah. it is. That's, that, that's it. I, you, I like it. 20 He invented a rule. That's it's it. there. My it's rule. Done. It's rule. My rule. <laughs> Trademark it. Trademark it. Fuck Bill Maher. New rule. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> The twenty seventy ten rule, I like it, but no, but it is it. It's it's maybe you know I I think you know because we've done so many projects, we've made the mistakes where we've done projects as a third, a third, a third, and then the homeowner gets ahead of you, and then you're kind of fighting for for money. So I think that you know I think that rule, and then going with the weekly biweekly payments in the middle for that big chunk for the seven for the seventy. Yep is really going to be beneficial right. to both parties. And everyone's going to be happy and say, all right, you know what? We're making good progress here. I want to stay on the job. I want to get it done. Right. I'm not going to leave your project and you know go jump over to Bob Smith's project because yeah. I know i got to get over there. I know I'm, I'm being held accountable. And that's really what it's about here. And I do like to mention, I think in almost every episode so far I have, this is not all general contractors, guys. We're giving you, you know, worst case, best case scenarios. Yep. And th these are some of the things that we've come across. These are some of the sub bad subcontractors we've dealt with or nasty homeowners we've dealt with. But on the whole, you know, we've generally dealt with good people. And and it's because of the level of communication that we've decided Correct. To, to convey to, to, to these people. But, you know, the, the, the communication, I think, stems out of misfortune, stems out of mistakes. And, and that's why it's, it's worth sharing all this. So what I wanted to pivot to now is, is change orders. Now, I know we've done change orders as an episode. Sure. But change orders, as far as a payment schedule, is a very, very different, different thing, correct. right? Very different. Yes. So the way that change orders work is they're not part of the total contract. So they do not figure into your, your standard payment schedule that, that is attached to the contract. Yep. A change order is you know and just and just to review here right the, the process that we've that we've stipulated with our general contractor is when you find a problem that's not included in the in the contract you're going to let me know about it you're going to show me that problem then we're going to we're going to we're going to have a written change order with a price attached to it we're going to agree each of us is going to agree to that price we're going to sign off and then you're going to do the work that's the process for the change order that that we laid out in the previous episode when that happens when that work for that change order is complete, that money is due. Not withholding 10%, not 20, 70, 10, not any of that. On a change order, when a change order is complete, the full sum of money is due. Yeah, and you know what, guys? I mean, I, I think we've, you know, the one thing you have to realize on the change orders, especially if you're getting into things that are 
mechanical, a little more complicated. You got to pay for all those materials up front. The 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 general contractor and his subcontractors aren't going to eat that cost. So really, the 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 big thing is if you see if it's something, let's say your your HV your HVAC system HVAC. <laughs> there it is. If it's having a problem and your condenser goes and you, and you have to change it out. He's going to ask for the materials to pay, be paid up front first and foremost because that stuff is expensive. His labor, of course, it's going to take him a couple of days to, to get it done. As soon as he finishes installing it, he's then going to you know, bill you and say this is the final charge for, right. for the install. But you already know the whole price because it's been laid out yeah. in that change order doc. And, and in general, I mean, when you look at materials and uh, versus labor, I mean, it's not a hard and fast rule, but you can you can – be pretty damn sure it's close to 50-50. So if you wanted just a, a general framework for change orders, I would figure on 50% up front, 50% on, on completion. And, yeah. that's, and that is exactly for the reasons that John just laid out. Yeah, because, I mean, look, no one knows that you're going to find those, those issues. We've talked about this. No one has x-ray vision. You cannot look in the walls. You can't see the sure. problems. And you want to understand what's going on. And that keeps everyone honest. As long as you're paying for for the materials, you understand what materials he's buying, you pay them, he installs them, you see that that it works, you pay the final payment, and it's done and over with. Absolutely. And, you know, change orders, as we've talked about, some are required and, and they were they, they need to be brought up to code, and others are happenstance because you've changed your mind. And, you know... When you have a when you have a client that changes their mind so much that the change orders start to creep up on the actual to, uh, total cost of the job, you know th- these things can be crippling to a general contractor if they're not paid on time and in full. So it, it's very important to note that change orders fall outside the scope of your standard payment schedule that is attached to the contract. About approximately 50% up front, 50% upon completion. And, um, and I think that process should also be written on, on the bottom of the page of your payment schedule. Yes. Change orders are separate, blah, 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 blah. Everything I just, everything I just laid out. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's the technical term. uh, Listen, I, I have a, (laughs) I have a a law degree, John. So, you know, I, I try and, I try and, I try and give the folks at home here uh, as much legal expertise as I possibly can. I love it. I love it. But, and, and guys, the other thing, you know, I I think, you know, having that 50, 50 rule is, is a good rule. You might run into those change orders where they're a little complicated. They're not as straightforward as you would think. Um, if you need to break them up into some payments, which we've done before for, for clients where we had, um, we had problems in, in foundation work where it had to happen in stages. It wasn't, it wasn't something that could just be done all at once. It had to be done in, in stages. You can break that up in stages. You know, again, yep. we've agreed to the weekly payments yep. for that, for change, for order, change order 342 or whatever the number exactly. It is. Exactly. Because if, if for example, the, the, general contractors doing work on your house and there's something wrong with the foundation and it has to be done in stages and he has to get many inspections with the city or town, then that's something that you might have to break up into smaller payments. And on top of it, it might be something that helps you out because 
50% of a large change order could be a little crippling to a lot of people uh, as well. You know, you guys have to look at it. We, you know, it, again, it's, it's a business, it's cash flow. Do you have enough cash? The contractor's got to make sure that he has enough guys that can handle it. So I think you guys need to kind of go back and forth on those larger change orders just to make sure it, it works out for both parties. Absolutely. Well said. Um, so that's a lot about larger projects. And, and arguably, these things are easier on larger projects because you know you're going to be in construction for yep. a long time. You've, you've got a, a, a job timeline, you know, and, and you're and you're expecting that that payments are going to be on a schedule. But how, I mean, how do you handle a smaller job, a weekend job, yeah. a, you know, you're, the whole house is getting painted. They're going to be at the place for four or five days. You're looking at a $25,000 job. You know, how do you go about making sure both sides stay honest? I mean, it, you know, doing the smaller jobs sometimes can be a little tricky because it happens so fast and, and you want to get it done. I mean, really, what it comes down to is I always, always tell the contractor, first and foremost, I'm paying for all the materials up front. You know, tell me exactly what, what, what's going to cost. I'll pay for all those materials, get it out of the way. And then I like to get them a nice payment at the beginning, anywhere from, I would say, 30 to 40% to 50%, depending if, it, if I really want them to move, just so they get in there. Because I understand... In those smaller jobs where you have a very tight time schedule, the more money I give him, the more he's going to move. And he knows, look. And he may prioritize your job. Exactly. You, but I got three days for this. I got four days. Maybe I'm, I'm doing a bathroom. Sure. And it, it has to get done. This isn't something that it's, it's, we have weeks and weeks. I got one bathroom. I got, this is, this is it. This, it. this is where I shower. This is where I, you know, I, I brush my teeth. I can't have you turn this into a month and then I have no bathroom here. Right. So those projects... I'm giving a bigger deposit up front because I want it done just a lot faster. And like you said, him coming off his other projects and coming into mine. And there is a caveat that goes along with that. John's been doing this for 15 years. He's got a very good gut read on these contractors, and yeah. chances are he's probably worked with them before. So pay attention to who you're working with. Again, going back to the planning stages, even on a shorter project, you're still running through this entire process. You're still running through this entire project planning series process. You're just running through it on a more condensed time for, timeline. So make sure you're interacting with that contractor up front during the bidding process and the design and going back and forth just a little bit because you got to get a flavor for who you're working with. That will let you be confident when it's time to write that check and let it out of your hands. Instead of gripping on with your thumb and your forefinger, you're going to let go of that check because you know they're going to show up tomorrow and they're going to be on that job. Well, I, and I, I've had painters come to my house and I've told them, like, guys, look, I want this done in one day. That's it. You got maybe three or four rooms in here. I need it banged out. I, I, I need it done. I will give you the full payment at the end of the day, and, it, and that's it. It's over with. Now, look, a lot of guys like to hear that, but it comes with very tight stipulations. You have to make sure that, hey, if he's going to finish it in a day, we all agree on it, and it's over with, he'll get the full payment, it's done, and, and, and we're good to go. But these are, these are jobs that aren't technical, right? You, you, know, you know, painting, coming in, doing some spackle work inside the house you're talking a backsplash a backsplash even a bathroom if you're not moving any if you're not moving any of your your fixtures and you're just retiling you know i'm and that's exactly what i'm talking about a job that's anywhere from a day to a week you know it it can you know because construction is construction the mess is there 
the the uncertainty is there the nervousness is there even it, it's just that it's on a on a condensed on a more condensed time frame and that can be more stressful because things are moving so fast well then maybe it comes down to that everyone sh- should know once you start getting into into mechanicals guys we've talked about mechanicals you have your, your plumbing your electrical your hvac once we start talking about those that's where your payment schedule that's where things the red flag goes up and says wait a second here hold on this is not going to be a big deposit. I'm gonna. It's gonna be more time. I'm not gonna be able to rush into this. This is something that I have to have a time schedule that's gonna make sense to me and to the contractor. Absolutely. So I think that's kind of the, maybe that's the rule that we should all you know think about. Yeah. You know, if you're in the a major painting, a, a major construction project involves the building department. Yep. When you're getting inspections, when there's an architect involved, you know just just as a recap again from some earlier episodes, um, you know that that's where. The, the payment schedule is is super critical and um, you know and while we're on that point you know as you I think you mentioned earlier this episode leaning on the passing of inspections for as certain milestones yes. for payments is another great way to you know to to encourage um, encourage fast progress and and things done correctly and and the reward is is the check at the end well, of the day. and and I th- and every project needs to have the milestones in it. Your your milestones will be. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty easy, guys. You're gonna have your rough inspection. Your well, I was I was even gonna say your 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 demo and clean out as as very uh, a big one because that that is a milestone to really kick off the actual building of the project. Sure. And then you have your rough inspection and, and your final. And you could break up the payments in between those milestones so it works out even also. Well, right. And and you know you made a great point and it just it just spurred a thought for me. So. So you've got demolition. Well, what what materials are you buying for demolition? Nothing. 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 Exactly <laughs> right. Zero. You're not buying any materials. So let's think this through a little bit, right? You're not buying materials for demolition, but you're buying materials for rough construction. Yeah. So why don't we say to the general contractor, here's 5%. Here's 10% deposit. I want to see the guys here. When I see demolition starting, I will get you another 10% for the remainder of the rough materials, the two by fours, the plywood, the the you know some of the wire, whatever whatever it may be going into your project, but it's a great way to get to get what we call mobilized to get the general contractor mobilized to your site on your site, de- uh, demolishing or 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 uh, or breaking down the, the the rooms that need to be broken down. And, and then you're handing them a check, you know, that, that same day. The, the day they show up to do demolition, you can hand them a 20% deposit check because you know work has started. They've got tools on the job site. They've got job boxes there. You want to see them mobilize. You want to see them bring the full strength of their company to your home so you can feel good handing them a check and allowing him to go then go buy the materials that he's going to start using, say, five days from now once demo is totally done. And you could put that mobilization fee in your in your schedule of payment sure which is, is very easy and look half the battle guys is getting them there just to start the project right that that just to get it kicked off and get it going you say i just need the guy here if he gets here and he gets his teeth into it then i know i know i can keep him here so putting that in there i, I think that was a, a great point because we've done that on some of our larger development projects when we've gotten to big ones right yep. maybe our our bank financing wasn't a hundred percent complete yet 
but we've said to our contractors, to demo guys, hey, guys, look, we want you to start clean out. We're going to give you the 5%. Right. Get in there, start cleaning out. Then we've gotten our financing, and, before, and as soon as they were done, our financing was in place, and then we gave them the deposit, and they were off to the run. He, you're like the king of segues today. That was pretty. It's perfect. We're going. We're 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 just we're just diving into AIA forms now. Look at John Bank Financing. He gives me this perfect little lead in. I'm I'm thrilled. This is great. I look like a superhero. So, I'm here for you when, today. When I'm you, here. I'm here to help. So, the last example is AIA forms. Now, AIA is the American Institute of Architects, and there is a form. I believe it's 701 and 702. Yep, if I remember correct. right, it's yes. been a minute since I've done these. Yep. Um, those are bank requisition forms. So let's pretend you're a new homeowner and before you move into the house or, or during the purchase uh, process, you're able to talk to the bank about getting a construction loan to wrap into your overall mortgage. Now, what happens when you do that is they will require the AIA 701s and 702s to be, to be filed by your general contractor and the bank is going to be responsible for paying them. The 701 and 702, in short, is an ultra, ultra detailed payment schedule um, that, that the banks require for the contractors to get their money. What this simply means is you're off the hook for everything. The bank is going to decide when that money is released based on an inspection that they do each month when they come out after the AIA has been filed. It is required to be filed by your general contractor. You are not require, required to sign off on it. Yep. Uh, what else can we tell people about AIAs? Um, well, I mean, it's, it, it's at the bank's discretion whether to pay it or not based it on the amount of work about done. Amount of work. But the thing, that, like you said, it's so detailed is the second form, that, that 702, what that is showing is it is the breakdown of all the trades, of all the work going on. And as the work per progresses, once you start your demo, that could be 100% complete. Well, you're going to get paid 100% from the bank of on that, that money. Category. Of that right. category. Of that category. Once you get into framing, then you get into your well, electrical rough, plumbing rough. It's 90% correct, right? Well, 90, because, I'm sorry, they always keep 10% for the because end. Because the, the bank, just like we were describing earlier this episode, they have a 10% holdback on each line item. So even though you finish demolition 100%, you get paid 90% because at the end of the job, after you've gotten your final your final pass from the uh, from the subcode official, the bank releases the last 10% and it's a protectionary mechanism for them uh, in case um, you know, in, in, in case the, the contractor doesn't pass a specific inspection, there's a lot of encouragement for them to get the job done and get it done correctly. Well, and I think it's great because if you are getting a bank loan, uh, I mean, I would say most, almost all banks require those AIA documents. I've never dealt with one that didn't. Um, I, so. I, I haven't either. I mean, when I when I built my home, I had my AIA right. documents that I did because I did exactly but what... But you chose to do them on behalf of the general contractor I did them. because you were GCing it GCing yourself. I was GCing it. I mean, I, we've, you know, we've done hundreds of them. Oh my God, you know, sure. the amount that, that we've done. Um, and it made it very easy. It was easy for, for me to understand how much money I was spending. Absolutely. The bank understood it. And I did exactly what Anthony just said for my project. You know, I bought a piece of property and I rolled it into a construction loan. And I was funded by the bank based off of this AA right. document. They don't say, hey, here's a million dollars. Go buy your Go. house. They say, 
here's what you need to get going here. You know, here's uh here's your 20 percent. And then each month they come out and it's a monthly draw on the construction loan until you're until you're at completion. Two things to note with uh, AIAs. Number one, if you're paying attention to details and crossing T's and dot and I's like we've been talking about here, request a copy. You want a copy of each AIA for your records. Educate yourself. See what they're getting paid on. Make sure that the bank, because the bank has an engineer coming out to the site, make sure the bank, the engineer, and the general contractor are all on the same page. You see what they're seeing. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is make sure you, when you are talking to your general contractor from the onset, when you're building your team, back to the team building episode, you're letting them know that this is an AIA project. You want to make sure that the contracting outfit you're working with, A, has done an AIA before, and B, has the wherewithal to continue to do them on an ongoing basis. Because it is not an easy document to fill out. There are some complications, and if they've never done it before, it certainly could hinder your process. And I think this is, you know, everyone listening right now, this is for the people that are doing the larger projects. If you're doing an addition on your home, whether it's blown out the back, you're going up a second story, uh, of course, new construction. If you're getting uh, a home line of, of credit where you really want to put something in place, the, this is a, a great way to keep the general contractor on his toes to make sure that you're not going to blow all of your money. Well, and, and the onus is no longer on you. It's on the bank. It's on the bank. To make sure that it's and, done right. And, and the bank has their own engineers right. that, that come out. They inspect the work. They help you. So I think it's, it's a, you know, maybe a lot of people don't use it or they say, oh, it's, it, it's not a big deal. I'm telling you guys, this is something that will definitely help your project and keep the general contractor in line and also not have you blow the budget. Because if a change order or if something comes up, that's an addendum that you now have to go back to the bank and talk to them about. Absolutely. It, it, happen, it, yep. it happened when I was doing my, my, my own my own personal project. I had to go back to them and say, hey, something's come up here. You had the wetlands. But I had the, the wetlands and the site work that I was doing. I needed an extra fifty to $75,000 for site work, there stuff I didn't know about. And the bank was willing to give it to they you? They were willing no? to give okay. it to me. So, so it wasn't out of pocket. I didn't have to reach in my pocket. I'm just meaning I, I want to convey to people yes. that they don't need to be nervous to ask for more money. The bank, any bank who lends on a construction process, proce- project <laughs> understands the process and they know that change orders happen as well. And on top of it, guys, a bank wants you to get it complete, right? Yes. <laughs> if they gave <laughs> the value you, in your home is once it's done. Of course. If they gave you a couple hundred thousand dollars to do a large renovation on your project, well, they want they want it complete. They yep. know, like you just said, change orders are going to come up. It's an addendum that goes on the AIA. It's another subcategory that that's at the bottom, and you'll see it when you see, see the documents online. And that's pretty easy, and it's great. You don't have to come out of pocket. That's what this is all about. Yep. We're trying to save you guys because I think we've all been in that issue where you know maybe you have a large project going on. You you had a contingency. Sometimes it gets blown, and then you're like, whoa. Oh my God! I need more money. Well, look, the bank will give you more money. You have to know how to ask for it, and you have to know how to be prepared for it. And guys, in the show notes, we'll link um, we'll link example uh, AIA seven hundred one and seven hundred twos as well. And the, the one caveat before we kind of go by this is, I want to make sure even people with the small projects when they see this, they can have a version of this for a small project if they want to maintain it 
yes, themselves. They can right. You can self-impose an AIA. Uh, I mean, an look, AIA-like document. Exactly. Absolutely. It, it just. It, it it's got, a spreadsheet it, that you can build. It, it, it's a spreadsheet. It keeps everything just in the exact order, how it's supposed to go. It breaks it down. It makes it easy for people. So I don't want everyone to think, oh, you know, Anthony and John are talking about these large projects because they do big bills. And no, guys, we all know there's everyone's on a totally different wavelength when it comes to all their projects. We have the small ones, we have the medium, and we have the large. Of course, the large, you want to go to the AIA. The medium, it goes back and forth. I would suggest using the AIA. And the small ones, use an example of it. Have something that maybe is similar, that kind of looks like an AIA, but it keeps the project in check and it helps the homeowner in the end. That is a great recap. That's all of it. So that is that it's our... Uh that's our uh, payment schedule episode, payments. guys. Wow. It's uh, it's a little painful. I hope you were able to stick with us to the end. Um, it's, you know, it's it's this is not the fun part of it. But but again, communication is everything, and making sure that that you lay all this stuff out in the beginning. You decide which path you want to take, and and it's in writing. Um, will just allow for a much cleaner, easier, faster construction project. So that is Home with the Cousins for this week. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you're checking the show notes for any of those downloads that we talked about earlier, and we will see you next week. Hey guys, real quick before you go, we just wanted to say thanks for listening to the show this week. And if you have a second, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And share the show with your friends so we can keep growing this great community. Remember to check out homewiththecousins.com to read our show notes from this episode, see past episodes, download our free renovation document package, or just to send us a note. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carino Anthony and at Culinary John. Our show is produced and edited by yours truly, with original music intro and outro created by Steve and Joseph Padula. I'm Anthony Carino, and thanks for listening. Thank you.